Hello and welcome to Fans of the Genre, episode 3 for November 14th, 2016. It's the end of the world as we know it. I'm Brian Swanson. I'm Mikey Krieger. And I'm Rhodes Clark. Uh, how's your week, everybody? How's, how's, uh, how's everyone feeling? Oh, this week's been fantastic. It's been a week. Yeah, tell, me, tell me about it. It's good news for people who like bad news. <laughs> that's a great way to put it. I've never thought yeah. about it that way. That's um, an album of music. Oh, is it? Yeah, yes. it's Modest Mouse's album Indeed. with Float On. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, we're recording this uh, a couple days after the election. Um, and suffice to say, or suffice to say we, uh, the, the person we wanted to win didn't win. Um, Maybe and, next time for the Libertarian Party. Yeah, right. Yeah. Darn it, Jill Stein. Um, and I think I, I, I wanted to say real quick, like, the three of us are very angry. And um, I think we're... Uh, actually, I don't want to speak for either of you. I'm very angry, and I want to um, just say that, like, I plan on being a better ally to people, and I hope uh, to do everything I can in the coming years to, like, just be a better person, and I'm not going to stop being angry. So, Yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah. that a lot of it sort of stems from the election season in general, just bringing so many... Uh, issues into light and it just seems like parties or folks that supported both parties had very uh or i was at least aware of very radical views on each side and so uh it does hurt a little bit to to know that the um person that was elected in uh he just sort of was supported by so many um anti-inclusion parties i don't know like there's yeah. a lot of gross stuff that's on the uh the Republican ticket right now, um, whether it's endorsed or not. And so that makes it really hard yeah. to, to be happy for this country, but, um, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll get through it at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the thing that just in general, we need to take from it is like being better at discourse and communication of ideas and values. Cause like, I think a, a big part of like what went wrong Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know that's the lens to look at it in terms of like whether it was a right or a wrong decision is that um, I feel like uh, the Democratic ticket didn't listen enough to kind of what a lot of people were saying and reacting to other than like specifically Donald Trump and the people immediately yeah. surrounding him and yeah. focused on that as opposed to like the electorate like the people who were actually voting Right. Mm-hmm. Like it was yeah. just kind of a just back and forth, like, like it, it was more of like a combative election as opposed to a, um, like what in communication we refer to a lot as, uh, cause that, that was my study in college, uh, mm-hmm. the marketplace of ideas where people come in and like, they're supposed to be like an open platform for, you know, not even like initially debating ideas, but just putting ideas out there and then listening and then forming constructive arguments. And I think that, not only in politics, but in kind of all phases, that's something that we should need to, you know, take away from this and not let that get carried away again. Cause I feel like that was the big problem is that there was a lot of talking at people instead of talking with people. Totally. Yeah. Totally. So like, yeah. That, 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 that's something that we can, you know, as we deal with more 
I guess, like minuscule in scale issues, like yeah, like in our day to day lives, and and then on the massive scale, like in a presidential election, like that's just something that uh, specifically us all coming from a more liberal minded view set, um, like our, just not any of us necessarily as individuals, but as a collective. Yeah. Uh, so that, I think that's something that we just need to take in stride is, you know, having conversations, hearing people out and then not outright refuting them and like taking them into consideration, taking the best ideas from everybody and then yeah. crafting solutions and that way. And it, I think uh, I just want the whole country to be a little bit more empathetic yes. um, on both sides. Like, yeah. I mean, I have absolutely dismissed the very real um, complaints and issues that Trump voters had. Um, while I don't necessarily think that they should have voted for someone who is not going to help them, but, you know, I just don't th- yeah. I think that I think that is objective. And I'm not trying to like, I get, I, I mean, I get it. It's just uh, so yeah, I, 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 I want to do a better job of reaching out to them as well. So I, so I feel like that was the real protest vote, not necessarily for third parties, but for people who were kind of in the middle of the road and like, yeah, yeah, and like weren't getting heard. And so then they're like, okay, if you're not going to like meet me halfway and try to take this step, then uh, I'm voting the other way. I feel like that that more like th- there are you know people who really believe like the bigoted ideas and. Uh, yeah, and just like kind of the hateful ideology, but that's I, I don't want to believe that that is thirteen million. Was that it? I I don't know the total. Of the I can't uh, remember. Uh, one point. I I forget. Well, it's it's something of a one in a three. Um, <laughs> I, I I just got so sick of seeing the numbers of how many people voted that way, and like just to, to, like there can't be that many yeah. people who well do that and. You know, and, and to think that, I, I think the important thing is to consider, like, even though it's really disappointing that 47% of people who could have voted didn't, mm-hmm. um, that more puts, puts into perspective that it was 25.6% of the eligible population voted the other way. Yeah, yeah. And so that means at best, like, that would mean that, you know, that 27% of our country was... For it. It was, was for that hateful rhetoric, which isn't yeah. true, by any stretch of the imagination. But I feel like a lot of people are kind of thinking that they're outnumbered by people who share this ideology. And I think anybody who kind of leaned even a little bit into the ideology would have absolutely voted for that candidate. And that was, and like his total votes were a quarter of the population. So I think for a lot of people who are kind of scared and disenfranchised, take solace in that. Yeah. They they think the majority of the country is out against them and not even like just barely a quarter of the country voted Right. for right the the party in question so yeah i think that, that's the kind of thing to consider is that you know you do have friends you do have allies and you do have people that care even you know even right. if it may not seem like it and i think yeah. i just sort of want to say that um we're we're here too and we're listening and um yep. it's it's a really hard time for a lot of folks in the country right now and if you are feeling disparaged or you're grieving like take that like feel that you know don't let anyone tell you you can't feel sad or um feel like it's unfair um and if you need to protest protest do whatever you got to do to cope yeah i think or to fight it we're here to listen and um be a part of that action when it's 
when that action phase comes around, you know, maybe yeah. there's really nothing we can do right now, but we will start working with you yeah. when it's time to start working, whether, uh, regardless of, um, you know, sort of where we're at, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. the other thing I wanted to say is, uh, in addition to that too, uh, I just noticed on Twitter that Steve Gaynor from, uh, the Fulbright oh, Studios yeah. just mentioned that they are putting Gone Home, the game they put out a couple of years ago, uh, for free. And so I think all of us would highly recommend that if you haven't played oh, yeah. Gone Home and you need a distraction, um, head on over to... Got a free option for you. Yeah, head on over to gonehome.itch.io slash gonehome and get that game for free and take some time. That's a game about hope, about love, uh, about a lot of stuff. It's really good. Yeah. So, I mean, just kind of soaking in these last couple of days, it's been kind of getting me thinking about like what I use to distract myself and what I use to kind of take my mind off of things that were really bothering me. And just my entire life, that sort of thing has been video games in, in the last couple of years. It's also been podcasts and stuff like, so I'm just curious what you guys have been doing while you're stewing in anger or frustration or sadness. Like what are you doing to kind of take your mind off things? So I initially just kind of consumed as much of like the the people who like kind of like know politics and kind of like know how more how like electorates work and how elections work and yeah. um like I know that you and I are big fans of keeping it sixteen hundred. Um only recently for me, only actually it was the day before election that I listened to the oh. first one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I I'm gonna keep listening. So Yeah, I I've always really enjoyed John Favreau. Um and the other guys on there uh, they're pretty great too, but, yep. um, yeah, so I kind of just trying, cause you know, it was the thing that in our own kind of news bubbles and social circles that like, it's kind of like for us, it was like very like, like n- nothing projected that this was even possible. Like, yeah. so, uh, I, I kind of went into that rabbit hole of like trying to kind of make sense of, you know, why it happened and how it happened and what the failures were and, you know, preventing it from happening. So mm-hmm. that, that's kind of initially what I did. And then the other night, kind of in a, uh, I don't want to, not in a destructive way, but in like a self-medicated state, I was like, I'm going to watch Akira. And then uh, that movie is actually uh, somewhat topical if our fears are mm. are uh, well-founded. And so it didn't like, necessarily feel good to engage with that. <laughs> uh, but I, I, but I was in enough of a state where I'm just like, gosh, this movie's so silly at yeah. some parts. And it's just, I, 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 that movie on a totally a side note, just as that, as a piece of pop culture in a vacuum, I adore that movie so much. So it's a movie that even like now, when it's actually kind of relevant and a little scary, like it's, I just get so lost in, the fiction of it that yeah. I enjoy it and the, and the aesthetic God, I, w- I want to buy the fucking Kaneda jacket in a heartbeat. Like I, that, <laughs> I finished watching it. I was like, how much are these? They're like, they start at like 80 bucks and go anywhere to like 900 bucks. If you're oh, wondering, wow. I've never actually seen Akira. I should check it out. Uh, it's, it's great. It's, it's got, uh, y- you haven't seen it. Nope. Haven't. <laughs> oh man. Um, so for anybody who's, uh, sensitive to, um, violence against women there's one scene that is uh where like it kind of like a situation may go south and then it's prevented but um otherwise that movie's phenomenal in most aspects for me and but and 
if you're not a fan of like 80s anime, it might be a little hard to get into, um, at least in a general sense. Uh, right. Because right. it definitely feels a little bit dated, even on the most modern uh, like remasters of it. Uh, hmm. It's that, that movie. I, I, it's got influences or it has influenced so many things now. Like I was watching it. I was like, oh, this like Chronicle, like kind of outright ripped this off. As much yeah. as I love that movie, like I just kind of realized, like, oh yeah, this is actually pretty. Like, it hmm. Chronicle is like a sliver of a, like yeah. it's one of the plot lines of Akira, but there's so much going on, and it's so bananas and absurd and beautiful that huh. yeah, it's hard to replicate. But yeah, that's what I did. I haven't actually played too many games. It's kind of you know not at the state where it's like easy for me to like get into escapism again. Yeah. Um, no, totally. But like t- um, today, I'm starting to feel a little more relaxed and I'm able to like I uh, last night went and got Titanfall as part of the the sale that was on for like Target's pre Black mm-hmm. Friday business and played that a little bit earlier. And we can we'll talk, talk about, about that a little that later once we're done talking about this. But yeah, yeah. And I uh, I was just hoping that I'd I don't know like when it first things first dropped I was like uh, it's going to be tough to laugh at anything it's going to be tough to like engage with comedy or, yeah. or TV or anything but I'm I'm really happy that my favorite shows like Comedy Bang Bang and mm. uh, like well, that that actually would have been on Monday so it, there wasn't a new one after the election but like yeah. things like that my favorite comedy shows and even my favorite gaming shows just kept going mm. and it felt really nice to turn your brain off for a little bit and listen yeah. to those and um, in particular, Lauren Lapkus has a great podcast yeah, uh, that yeah. came out today um, with Paul F. Tompkins and Scott Ackerman, and it was just like the right amount of unabashed silliness that I needed today to just like not think about anything and uh, stuff like that is amazing. And even today, I was like, man, I, I I couldn't really focus at work this week, and I thought about there's this show on Earwolf called You Talking You Two to Me, <laughs> and it's Adam oh, Scott. And uh, Scott Ackerman going through their favorite YouTube, all the YouTube albums one by one. And it's like the most weirdly specific comedy niche, but they're so funny and like fun to listen to and kind of introduced me to that whole realm of podcasting. And, uh, and every time I listen to it, I like, I've listened to every episode like two or three times already. And, uh, cause it was a limited thing. Um, it still takes me back to where I was the first time I heard it, which is just like in a new apartment at Western still going to school and like, I don't know. It took me away from now, which is kind of what I needed. So, and it doesn't hurt that you're just the strangest, like absurd YouTube. Oh fan. yeah. I'm also a very big YouTube fan. So it's an oddly, <laughs> yeah. it's a specific show that works very well for me. So. Um, and real, not to try to cut off Brian, but you just made me think <laughs> that Dave Chappelle and a tribe called quest are on Saturday night live tomorrow. Yeah, and I'll be watching that, that. And that could potentially be like one of the most formative pieces of popular culture if they do it right. Like a lot of people still remember after 9-11, like um, Lauren Michaels asking Rudy Gianni, the current mayor of New York City, like, so like, are we allowed to be funny? And he's like, why would you start now? And it was just yeah. like, like, holy shit, we can laugh and we can breathe and mm-hmm. we can take this moment. And like, I think uh, it's pretty... Uh, pretty fortunate that dave Chappelle, who doesn't like to pull punches and can mm-hmm. handle social commentary in such a significantly profound mm-hmm. 
um, happens to have such a massive platform immediately following it. Like that's something that I think a lot of people are going to tune in like, and I can't imagine that pressure. Holy shit. Like Dave Chappelle has to know exactly that people are like going to be looking at what his reaction to this is. Well, didn't South Park have to like rewrite an entire show in one day because they're, because Trump won. Well, (laughs) I I heard about that. I don't know if it was the last election or if it was the John McCain election, but like they basically wrote two episodes and like, uh, and then kind of like they had two episodes planned on like whether Obama won or McCain won. I think right. I'm pretty sure it was McCain. Uh, yeah. Cause Sarah plan was on it. Um, and yeah. And so they basically had like two like skeleton scripts that they had ready to go. And then once like it was announced who won, they like went hard and worked for like, a consecutive 24 hours to get that episode up. So I, I assume that they did the same thing, even though like it was yeah. projected to be not close, like uh, Scott and Trey are both libertarians. And so I, I doubt that they were just like assuming that Hillary would win. Sure. Yeah. Because like, huh. they're, they're so skeptical of the political process that they're probably one of the few people who weren't totally naive about it. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember seeing some articles, uh, I don't know what day soft parts on Wednesday, Thursday folks were really yeah. were impressed or at least amused. Um, but that's a good point about SNL. I think I'm going to definitely make sure to, to tune in because I think yeah. one of the things that I um, sort of found help, you know, sort of cope and just sort of get past the election was to check in with um, a lot of popular um, media or at least with Twitter and seeing what people are talking mm-hmm. about. And so listening to podcasts, just watching the news Talking with my coworkers um, was helpful for me. I wasn't quite ready to jump back into video games right after the election, um, but did get this inclination to to consider strongly buying a game like Final Fantasy, uh, uh, what 15, 16, 15, 15, whichever one it is. It's just that long of a week. Um, the, the new, new Final one. Fantasy because it's like, hey, that sounds like a good eighty hours that I could just edge out for. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, eighty hours away from politics, but um, spent a lot of time on Twitter, um, and then I think got really sick of my Facebook echo chamber of liberal views mm-hmm. because uh, at this point, most of the folks that I'm friends with are <laughs> posting the same articles over and over again, and so um, those darn social justice warriors are the SJWs. No, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, I raided with my guild in World of Warcraft on Thursday, and it felt pretty good. I think we were all sort of on the same page, and normally I don't really talk to my friends too much about politics because I sort of assumed that they were pretty um, apathetic to a lot of a lot of that stuff, but everyone sort huh. of had a similar view, and uh, you know whether or not they were hurt or scared or mad, I think everyone was just sort of exhausted. And, yeah, um, that's for sure. It was kind of nice to be with them. I also had some nice bourbon, and oh, I drank so much this week. That yeah, was great. Yeah, it was uh, a little dangerous. Not like dangerous. I wasn't getting yeah. blacked out, but I was like having multiple drinks each night, which is uncommon. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. So Brian just reminded me that earlier today I saw an ad for Final Fantasy on Twitter, and I was like, oh, another Final Fantasy 15 ad. It was an ad for Final Fantasy 14. Oh, isn't like, there a new expansion coming out? Yeah, or something. I, I, oh, there word? is. Okay, like I was just like, oh, it's like, oh, they're really pushing people to keep playing a Realm Reborn, which yeah. I which I adored, by the way. Like, oh, I've never played it. Yeah, I played the beta when it came out because um, it was like 
right after I moved uh, moved up to Seattle for school and was living on campus at mm-hmm. UW, and I didn't have a job yet, and I uh, was in my first quarter, so it was a transfer. Like I had transfer priority mm. for registration, so I had like no classes that I needed, just a bunch of like really easy blow off classes. So I like wasn't working. I had minimal effort to put into school to keep at that point like a, a, like straight A's, and so I was like, okay, I have like. A ten free hours a day to yeah, yeah. that's awesome. And, I miss those so I, days. Yeah, <laughs> me too, I, man. Right, uh, but I put forty five <laughs> hours into the Final Fantasy fourteen beta, and then they announced that um, it was going to be subscription based, along with the sixty dollar initial purchase, and Ooh. that none of the data would carry over from the beta. No. So I was like, okay, well, like, like I got forty forty five hours of a game that was free and was really good, so. Huh. I was con- I was content with my experience, you know. Even though forty five hours is pretty light for total time put into an MMO, like it's still a lot. Of, it's a big yeah. chunk of time. So yeah, yeah, and especially for a game that I like in a week, I put like forty five hours into it. Which you know, that's when you consider like the monthly subscription fee. Like yeah, like if a, like in like a week or two, I'm putting in like forty five hours. Like like if I could have carried over my data, I absolutely would have dropped mm-hmm. the the $60 and then the uh, subscription fee. Cause it, it was, it was fantastic. It's the only MMO that I actually like really got into other than RuneScape when I was in like sixth grade. Dang. If we uh, get any um, significant amount of, of listeners that, that either listen to this and, and somehow contact us, whether you tweeted us or whatever, um, I'll calculate my amount, my embarrassing amount of played time in world of Warcraft and announce it to the world. Whoa. Dang. So that's a challenge okay. to anyone listening. Yep. Can't throw that out for and, free. I get it. And uh, for how many years have you played? Uh, I've played since oh six. Okay, so ten Damn. years of wow. Two years off, but yeah, yeah. Huh. Well, I'm glad that we're all finding ways to deal with this. Um, Brian, I I see on the list of games you've played. We talked, I think, in the first episode about how we weren't super soaked on Dishonored. Yeah. Um, I, I want to hear about everything else, but I'm curious what you what brought you back to Dishonored and like what what your thoughts are now. So I think I mentioned on that episode that I uh, lived in a hole at some point between the, the years of 2010 to th- to, through 2012 and didn't play too many um, AAA games, maybe with the exception of Skyrim. And so I didn't really even know Dishonored existed until. I would say probably 2014, 2013. And so mm-hmm. I never actually played it, but what was really jazzed about the trailer at, I believe this year is E3 where it either had a lot more gameplay or was announced in some way, shape or form. And so I purchased Dishonored back in June during the big Steam sale and didn't play it until today because everyone's talking about Dishonored too. Uh, I like it. It's interesting. I like the the first person stealth aspect to it. Um, I think I'm committing myself to a pretty lethal playthrough because everyone just says it's it's more fun. Yeah, than, I would say it's probably more fun. But I do sort of get that that feeling of remorse that I get in any game that allows me to to pick a moral stance and right. Then I well, it's f- also that that game like doesn't reward you for um, playing lethally. Like the ending you'll get is. I don't know. I don't want to spoil it, but it, like it, it's there are different endings. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know. It's uh, 
Yeah. It, do, it, do either of you know what, what the quote canon ending is like without saying it, but Oh, for Dishonored 2? For Dishonored 2, yeah. I actually don't know. There was a Kotaku article about it, and I didn't read it, but I'm curious yeah. which which ending they choose to be the, quote, canon in right. entrance to the new one. So that, what I liked about Dishonored, if I remember, is like, that it sets, its world feels real and lived in to me. Yeah. Um, but it also asks you to, to dig around a lot and discover more about the the people that live there and their lives. And uh, I think this all ties into like whatever theme that is my interaction with games, like where I just don't have, feel like I have the time to invest. So I feel like I'm not playing it the right way. And I don't know how to get over that with, with games anymore where like if, if it's asking too much of me and I can't meet it halfway, I don't know how to play it right for me. Does that make sense? Yeah. I like how a game like Fallout 4 allows me to slowly chip away at the world and yeah. still make progress without having to read a ton of books or jump in and commit myself to a long mm-hmm. quest line or scene of some sort. And so I enjoy how Bethesda's open world games allow me to do that, but there are other games that I just sort of look at like Witcher three, for example, everyone loved it. But whenever I look at that game, I, I just see a huge open world that would distract me more than I would be able to progress. Mm-hmm. That, that yeah. was my problem. I like think I put 35 hours into it before something else came out and then I got distracted and just never picked it back up. But, uh, I was like clearing out the first like major area after like the prologue area. And, yeah, I put up probably about 35 hours into it and like didn't get off that first area, which like plot wise is maybe like 15%, 15, 20% of the plot. And like, but I was just like running around trying to do everything I could on this like first island. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's definitely a game that is really easy to kind of just um, get lost in mindlessly. And that's not necessarily a thing that I'm like super into where follow, I'm like wandering around because I want to explore and I have like, you go into a building and then like that building has its own kind of story and like locale, like specific, like nondescript locations in the Witcher three don't have that, um, which is a pretty bold undertaking, like not trying to, you know, I'm in no way trying to like knock on the Witcher three, but I think that, um, that just like, just the way that like the fallout and, uh, Elder Scrolls games like appeal to me in that way where I can just like, go into a place and like yeah it feels lived in because there are stories told through like emails or letters and um even just like context clues where it's just like i think on waypoint they're telling like the story of like doing a profile on this guy who like found every location in fallout 4 yeah including the joint yeah like 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 oh like just there's this dude sitting in this throne and there's a cage full of, of skeletons like it's like a skeleton sitting on a throne there's like a cage filled with skeletons and like that doesn't tell you anything about it. You just kind of like by context, like is, was this guy just like making people fight in a cage? Yeah. Like, and just what, sitting there. Yeah. Like, like what was going yeah. on here? Like, like there's just so many like little things that are, aren't in like no way addressed. They're just kind of like, you know, uh, dress setting. And right. So many stories are told through that. And like, 
I totally forget our original. Uh, oh, you're talking about yeah, the world of Dishonored. I'm just talking about Dishonored and the world building um, there. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I kind of get what you, what you mean by like it's not pushing you in any direction, but like it also feels kind of limited based on what direction you take. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like I can't play Minecraft because I, it's like I need you to just tell me what to do. Like give me some kind of like goal. Like, carrot. yeah, like I, I enjoy like the going around and like finding new materials, but like I need to have at least some objective. Yeah. And like I'm, I'm just terrible at like setting those for myself in games. Yeah. I felt that way too about Dragon Age Inquisition when I first played it, which was phenomenal. Um, and sort still of never finished that one. Yeah. I, I, I put it I, down. I still picked it up. I put it down when, after I got my Xbox back in the, like the winter of 2014 at the end of 2014 i played it for a couple hours and then put it down and didn't really pick it back up until last year uh 2015 and i i I think my guild was on sort of a hiatus for raiding we weren't we don't really normally raid too much into the holidays Mm -hmm. i mean i clocked like a good 25 to 30 hours into it because i was just full committing to that game every day after work and it was so fun when i finally did it but that's really hard to do when that it comes out during a year of just like three or four different open world games that all ask the same of you. And so it's really hard to have that commitment when there are so many other things you could be doing. Yep. But are you going to keep playing it? That is cool. (laughs) Um, Tell me real quick, if you can, about house of the dying sun. House of the dying sun. I heard about it on Kotaku split screen. Kirk, Mm -hmm. Kirk Hamilton reviewed it and talked with Jason Schreier quite a bit about how it's just this really small scale flight simulator in outer space where you're just in a, the, you're in the cockpit of a, a fighter like ship, uh, similar to Battlestar Galactica's, um, fighters. And you're, you are the bad guy in, in many ways in this, uh, the story is really simple. The emperor is dead, and you are a um, you are I forget what they call you. Oh my goodness! But basically, it's your job to to fight on behalf of this dead emperor, and you're an elite agent. And so, I almost think of myself as maybe like Boba Fett or Darth Vader in Ooh. a Tie Fighter or in like Slave One. And your missions are just very simple. Um, one of them was the the physician. For the emperor is not dead yet the emperor is let's make sure the physician dies too and your mission is to just fly your ship to wherever they are in outer space and kill them that sounds really cool uh, uh so, is it is it pc only or is it on console as well oh my gosh uh, if anything it'd be on ps4 but i don't know um the cool thing about it too that they mentioned is that i think it's only on steam right now but the coolest thing I like about it is that your entire HUD and all of your color palette is red and orange and all of your enemies are blue and like, oh, like that's cool colors. And so you are literally shooting down all of the people that you would, uh, that you normally are accustomed to seeing as sort of yeah, like you, those, 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 blue, those blues. And so yeah, you're, you're conditioned to think that that's your team, that that's your, huh. that, that those are the good guys. Right. And so you're sort of subconscious that's of killing the good guys. Um, so Weird. my concern with the, uh, this game from your uh, description of it is 
it kind of just sounds like it's like, oh, here's a waypoint and like go do the objective there. And that was the thing about Destiny that really drove me crazy in the uh like I, I only played in the, the initial installment, like the yeah. I guess like Destiny 2014, like Vanilla Destiny. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, that's the word they use for it, Vanilla Destiny. Uh, yeah, and like everything was just kind of like padded with these like quests where it's like, oh, go kill these enemies, and they're gonna drop like an item, and like yeah. they just change the name of the items, and like the di- like a different voiceover gives you the missions, and like that's how they kind of padded out the experience. Like, how does this kind of bait that? Okay, yeah. And so the thing that's going to make or break this for you is this next sort of statement. Um, I hear what you're saying, but this is more style. This is similar, more similar to a Star Fox 64 experience where you're doing small missions that maybe take between two to five minutes. And it's just, you go in, you kill them, you, it's out. And it's sort of almost like improv, Im, Im, improving the whole thing. And it's really cool. I don't know. It's they're just tiny, small, little, easy to repeat um, little missions, and it. There are only I think fourteen of them. They're again, they're really simple. It's not. It doesn't feel like you're doing the same thing over and over again, even though you kind of are. Um, and there is um, mm-hmm. customization in your ship and your power ups too. But I just really like that it's you know pick it up for fifteen minutes, beat a mission, and then leave and go do something else. Yeah, so that yeah. sounds like something. The note that would. They- feel perfect on like a vita yeah where it's like Ooh. yeah like, like oh i'm just like i'm taking like a quick like train ride or, or bus ride and like just gonna pop up do a mission of house of the dying sun like that sounds like a very satisfying way of like, yeah. circumventing like a, what could potentially be a tedious game loop um yeah. because i adored galaxy oh yeah oh i tried playing that a little bit too and i i couldn't really get into it i couldn't get past the controls but but go on uh, like it, it ended up picking up, like especially once you get the mech, um, yeah. when you're not just the ship. Uh, it definitely picks up quite a bit, and like so, the game is broken up into five. So it's the premise is that like it's like an '80s uh, like mech anime, yeah. And so it's broken up into five uh, what they call episodes, where each one you have different uh, like ship abilities and parameters that you work within, and within those episodes, there are chapters, which are, um, procedurally generated kind of roguelike where it's, you know, you, you'll go through the chat, uh, the episode and at each episode it will save and like your progress will be measured. But within those, it's like, you know, you, you have like permadeath and like a set amount of health and you, your abilities will reset each time. Um, and then there are the different like ability trees that you can like try progressing through, um, but largely the game loop is like, all right, you're getting dropped off in this like asteroid belt that's kind of procedurally generated. And then, um, you're kind of doing an arbitrary quest that if you're not paying attention to the text and dialogue feels like literally every other mission and quest. And like, while so many things about that game really worked, especially the aesthetic for me, uh, yeah, just that same loop of kind of being dropped into a largely generic map and then kind of doing the same things over and over again with maybe like a different enemy class because there's like three or four including like uh like space bugs like three or four different factions of enemies Mm. and then like it it just kind of recycles those and um kind of similar to to destiny where they have like the three or four different races but those are more uh like regionally locked where this is just kind of it seems a little more random but Mm. um 
no, because I, yeah, I pulled up the trailer for House of the Dying Sun, and that actually looks really cool. But um, yeah, if it's more fitting of like a kind of like a really quick like palate cleanser, then that seems yeah like a pretty good uh, avenue for that. So yeah. it, it looks like it's only available on Steam right now through Windows. Um, but I could see it, you know, hitting uh, PlayStation and Xbox because it does have some pretty robust um, controller um, options. And it also has a VR um, a mode to it as well. And so I would not be surprised if Sony threw some support or money toward the developer to get that on PlayStation VR. That'd, That'd be, be really it, cool. Yeah, the uh, the visuals of the game definitely look like they're accommodating to like what the stylus for VR right now and it's really yeah, like that e Valkyrie style yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So cool. Cool. Um, yeah. So I've been playing that and, uh, again, more fallout and, uh, dishonored in world of Warcraft. Yeah. <laughs> I've also cool. been playing a lot of fallout. I finally got the fucking platinum trophy for, for fallout four. <laughs> and that was such a rewarding feeling seeing that pop up. What, when so, did you do that? When, when was that? That was like Sunday night. Oh, okay. I think gotcha. um, it was, yeah, it was either Sunday or Monday night because I know I had work in the morning and I shouldn't have been up to like 1, 1 a.m. Like, but I was so close. I was so close <laughs> to getting that platinum. Yeah. Finally got my settlement happy and then I crushed it. Nice. And it was a very rewarding feeling. Yeah. Um, I'm. Yeah, and, and, and I'm sorry. Just. No. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I just started the DLC for it too and it's pretty, it's pretty great so far. Uh, Good adding the ability to like uh in the automatron dlc where there's like kind of like a little like standalone quest that it has with it but the main thing that it does is it gives you a new companion who's mm-hmm. uh, a robot and then it gives you also a robot workshop where you swap out all of the individual parts and you build parts in the same way that you would craft weapons mm. or items in a in fallout but it's for your companion so like you can go and like if you want them to have a higher uh, carrying capacity you can get items that cater towards that or if you just want to like totally overpower them you can give them heavier weapons that'll kind of leave them a little bit slower and like there's so many different ways that you can customize it and approach it and actually like have a more unique companion that is like built towards your play like like if like with dog meat you could like changes like species and color and size a little bit like that's cool yeah like um, it, it gives yeah. you more of a uh, uh, of an attachment to your companion which is really mm-hmm. nice I uh, when I started my my playthrough, I had Cogsworth follow me for the first time because every other yeah, time same. I was like Piper or Nick or you know someone with some some quote more substance. But when I had Cogsworth go with me, oh, he, he's he, great. He destroys. <laughs> he cleans yeah. up. Oh yeah, he's also yeah, he's, very he's, good he's, in combat. Yeah, yeah, he's got the the buzzsaw. He's got the flamethrower. He's got a lot of like different weapons to use. Um, and also, I think he's just one of the more entertaining companions. Yeah, just a, a, as a character because like. Nick's a little bland. His quest is interesting, but um, like as you're walking around, he just kind of sp- uh, spits out like cheesy noir detective lines. Yeah. Um, yeah. C- Cogsworth is one of my favorite. I think he's one of the companions that like, stands out most and like, but, but isn't annoying in the way that like strong gets mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, like, I, I, I love strong, but he, it definitely gets old. I after thought he a got bit. kind of annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, I ran around for a few hours and then it was like, okay, you need to go to a settlement that I'm not going yeah, go, to go You need to go somewhere else now. Um, so I real quick, I want to update on, um, on Titanfall. Cause I think last week I was a little, yeah, I wasn't like weak on it, but I was kind of lukewarm maybe. 
Yeah, um, you, you were kind of still like getting your uh, bearings. Still, it, for... Yeah, exactly. I don't think the campaign is as good as a lot of the internet is saying. And I guess, Mikey, we, yeah. we can talk about that once you've played more of it. Mm. Um, it does some interesting things with, with mechanics and playing with cool stuff. And there's like a moment where it starts to pick up and it becomes more than just um, a shooter. I know Brian's very curious about that. Yeah, I want to know it, <laughs> but we can talk about it off podcast. Yeah. Once Mike um, explain it. Does it become a dating sim where you like you pick out your like, matchmaking so. with the Titan? It just becomes like, a... That, that's the way I want it to become more of a shooter. Is like... Yeah. You, you have like a... Uh, what was that game show? The dating game, wasn't it? There's that a lot of dating called? games. But, but there like, was one it's, called yeah, you that, got, yeah. You got like th- three matchmakers and they're just like oh, yeah, the yeah. Titans. Like I think that that Ooh, would be a be good way good. to make that... a a uh, more of a shooter more than a shooter hey it's why like, don't you why don't you write an email to respawn and pitch that for titanfall 3 yeah i think that I, would really um, appeal to the call of duty audience i, <laughs> I actually know a dude at respawn so i oh, might well, i might should. do that I might do that roads okay um, shout out to but, a dude who works at uh, respawn <laughs> yeah right I, and i, I go to an uncle that works at nintendo uh, i um, don't know if he's still there i know he worked on the uh, original titanfall but i don't know if he's still hmm. at, there um sounds so, like yeah, you really I, know him then yeah well, I, I haven't talked to him <laughs> I know, in like kidding. two years. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just started Titanfall 2 like in a little over an hour ago. Um, yeah. I, I played like the first episode of, or the first mission of the campaign. Chapter, yeah. Um, and I played around a multiplayer and it doesn't feel the same as the first one. Not, not as I remember. It might be that I'm playing on a PS4 now. Mm-hmm. That might be a part of it. But I felt like if it was a little bit faster from what I remember uh, in Titanfall 1, and, like, it's a very little thing, but whenever you would wall run, you would see your feet and you'd hear the footsteps whenever you're, like, just, like, mm. like just walking on a wall. Yeah. And it, that little, like, it's not in there now, and that little step made me feel much more like, like, oh, this is me, I'm doing this cool thing, and it had a little bit more of a tactic feedback, too, where it's, like, uh, or haptic feedback where it's like right you kind of feel that you're walking and like on this it's you kind of it feels like you're just kind of like rolling along a wall yeah and you don't quite know if you have it like in titanfall when you would j- jump and hit a wall and you mm-hmm. would know that you hit a wall like it would tilt a little bit more on the camera when you're wall running and like it just felt a little bit more uh huh. engaging and so like, I'm, it might just be that i'm really fresh into it yeah. And that I haven't played Titanfall 1 in a while, but it definitely feels a little bit more or a little bit less of like this kind of like kind of chaotic and new thing. Like I feel mm-hmm. like my initial theory, which is way too early to like cast any sort of like like solid criticism about the game at all. But early on, it feels like the first Titanfall respawn was making this game and then EA picked it up and put it out there in oh. the world and like kind of like stake their claim to that property yeah. And I feel like Titanfall 2 is much more of, like, they had a lot of hands in the pot. And, like, EA did? Yeah, like, I feel like EA is kind of trying to make it, like, one of their, like... Their pillars or something? Yeah, and, and they're, they're my, it feels like they're getting a little too hands-on into it. Like, mm-hmm. like the way that the menus, like, are set up in this, like, it feels very bland and unoriginal. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would never, like, pick that up and be like, oh, yeah, that's, that's Titanfall 2's. Uh, interesting like, I, might, menus, like, I think i kind of push back on most of your points actually uh, I, I i mean i haven't played the first one so you probably have a better sense of the comparison yeah. between one and two um i think it feels really good and i actually think that like i know when i'm on a wall and 
the fact that it's not as haptic, while, while that'd be a cool effect, like it lets me just focus on where I'm going, getting from A to B. So like, I'm just, I see a path in my head and I can like, I know that if I double jump to that wall, I'll hit it and then I can run and, you know, make connecting leaps between walls and stuff. And, and I think it's really effective actually. Um, and weirdly enough, I don't mind the menu system. It is like kind of bland and uninspiring, but it lets you get to the game much faster. It's all yeah. about just like, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's functional. Yeah. But it, it just, everything about like the aesthetic of it kind of feels largely uninspired. Like yeah. I feel like it's just very similar to most first person shooters out there. Sure, sure. Like the first one kind of had its identity as like, like this, these are like the cast offs of Activision, like making their own mm -hmm. game and stepping it up and like really, yeah, like really mm -hmm. challenging, like kind of just the hierarchy of, of that genre, which was the predominant genre in the field at that time. Yeah. And like, like they kind of just shook things up and it felt like a little like rebellious and, like it just kind of had like an attitude about it. Now it just feels kind of sterile. Interesting. Like, yeah, like, I'll be like, curious. like, like the, the, the campaign just doesn't feel in any way. And again, I'm super early into it, but yeah. like it's, it's such a bore. Like yeah. I am just like this, there's nothing about this that like really has a lot of character to it or is engaging in any way. Like I'm, I'm it's, never going to really, learn. Yeah. It's like really self-serious. It's not yeah, as like, I'm never going to learn the I names of any of the people in mm -hmm. the campaign. Mm -hmm. uh like i i just I, I don't even know if i want to go back to the campaign like i am enjoying I it's my worth time it in just, multiplayer yeah i would i would i would go back there's some cool moments in there for sure yeah but and again like this is all very very early yeah. like i like played like maybe an hour of it just so i could you know have a mm -hmm. take on it and yeah um, a hot take hot the hottest take so i and then i just want to say like now that i've been playing i've beat the campaign and playing multiplayer i'm I'm kind of into it now like i yeah. i get it and i've you know i was worried about it not explaining its systems very well but um once you keep playing things just sort of start making more sense and i found a loadout that works for me and a titan loadout that works for me and uh the progression system in the game is really cool because like it's all about every piece of gear that you have can level yeah. up or at least your weapons and yeah, it, it's more and more you use them, the more it affects your overall level, which gets you more stuff. And yeah, it, it's, it's very it's kind of Skyrim in that way. It's not quite as like fluid and like, like striking, especially visually as Skyrim's was, but it's a similar idea where it's like, Oh, you're, you've been using this gun a lot. Like you're going to gain a level in, in the gun, which will yeah. like, unlock like better, like add-ons and upgrades specifically for that weapon. And yeah. then it'll also affect your overall level, which then you get access to more guns, more mechs. It's um, cool. It's like a never ending loop. Like, like, yeah. because there's so much to level up, there's stuff popping up yeah. on the screen all the time. And it's a very nice, rewarding visual feedback. It's a little much sometimes, but it feels yeah. good to like, keep progressing. Mikey, does no, it, it, and, oh, sorry. Uh, does it level up faster than Battlefield 1 does? Because I'm finding in <laughs> Battlefield 1 that I literally have one new gun and can't get anything else. And it's sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, Battlefield 1 has, like, it's, like, four, like, four classes. Yeah. And in, and in this, it's, like, there are a handful it's of different... It's all custom. Yeah, like, like, yeah, there are, like, a lot of kind of different, um, like, set classes that you can do as a pilot. Yeah. Um, and then you, then you can totally customize those individually to, like, so where in Battlefield 1, it's, like, you have your, uh, assault, you have your scout, you have your medic and your support. And like you're kind of pigeonholed into those like four different roles, which 
has its own merits. Like, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm starting to put together another like D and D campaign. I'm trying to like, explain to the people like, Oh, you want to have like good team composition where like you have complementary roles. And I feel like battlefield one, that's a more important, like by design, that's more important. And then in Titanfall, it's a little bit more like you're, you, there's a good chance you'll be on your own. Like, like largely everyone's will kind of play roughly similar, not, not right. exactly, but, um, it's not so much dependent upon roles as it is what you're comfortable with. I guess I'm just having less mm-hmm. fun right now with Battlefield 1 because I feel like I never make enough money to unlock new guns. Yeah. Oh, so I, yeah, I played one round of Titanfall 2 multiplayer and got to overall level 3 in that one run. Mm-hmm. Um, I upgraded each of my guns and I think my grenade and then like uh, a couple of weird abilities that I didn't quite catch before it went off screen, but... uh. Yeah, I, I've, I'm kind of feeling that fatigue too. I think largely because I'm seeing so much Overwatch news, and I'm playing other things for the sake of having played them. And like, I just really want to get back into Overwatch. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that actually might be my biggest hurdle. Where like, like the presentation of Overwatch is so distinct, and so uh, there's so much character to it. And I think that's kind of why I'm coming into uh, Titanfall a little like. Like yeah, this is just kind of generic shit. Like and not shit in a necessarily bad way, but just just it feels really familiar. Where like I'm really itching to get back into Overwatch, where everything is so colorful and uh, has so much like personality to it. And I I think that that's my main criticism is like and like this is my large criticism about games as a whole is like I want more things that are like fun and like maybe a little even like wacky and has, like they're, that are very distinctive and. Titanfall has its place. Um, and I just think for me personally right now, like something more along the lines of like overwatch is what I, especially like right now where I'm like, I really kind of want to decompress and like have something a little like lighthearted. I feel like, yeah, like just right now it's it, Titanfall two might just be striking me at the wrong time. I think well, give it a little more time. Cause it's not trying to tell you anything. Oh, yeah. It's just sort of letting you play, you know, it's sort of, yeah. And, and again, like I played it. for an hour. Yeah, I plan on playing quite a bit more and like getting more familiar. And then like in my one match, you know, I had just the basic weapons and I didn't know quite what they all did. Mm-hmm. And so as I find the weapons It'll that suit click. me, yeah. And like I start investing into those weapons with new gear and add-ons, uh, like it'll cater more towards my play style. And then by virtue of that will be more rewarding. Yeah. Like along with just getting more familiar and knowing the maps and actually getting to play a little more strategically. As opposed yeah. to just kind of running around, like, just shooting whatever the fuck I can see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which, which again, is, like, good for Titanfall because it has, like, just the AI grunts and sentries. Yeah. Is what they called? Yeah, like... Sentries just, and reapers as well, yeah. Yeah, and so it's just, like, these AI characters that are kind of on the map as... Largely as, like, fodder for yeah. players who aren't quite as good to go, like, after other uh, player-controlled enemies, so... Yep. Yeah, like, and I, it'll take some getting used to, but I think I'm to a fault trying to compare it too much to the original. Yeah. Um, mainly cause I'm trying to find like distinctions in a crowded first person shooter market right now. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm still largely enjoying it. It's just, it's not immediately capturing me in the way that Titanfall one did where I picked it up at PAX and just it, it all immediately clicked. And I'm like, like, yeah, this seems like something I would like to buy an Xbox one solely for, which I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Brian. Yes. Um, tell me about your Skyrim story. And yeah. I, I do want to hear about the mystery game 
Mikey, but I'm curious about oh, yeah. Brian's oh, yeah. story. So it, today is currently 11 11 2016. Yeah, five year anniversary of Skyrim. And mm-hmm. this day always reminds me of 11 11 11 when I had ordered Skyrim. Um, so I'm especially back in college, I'm, I'm all about game deals. I'm all, all about getting a good deal on a game uh, when it mm-hmm. first comes out uh, or whenever. So save some money, get a great game. Um, now, not so much important, but back then I was really all about it. And so I found a coupon code on Newegg.com to get Skyrim for like $45 on launch day. And so I remember like back then that, probably like at the end of October or whatever, ordering Skyrim and my friends all reserved it on steam and, and you know, that steam makes it just that much easier to get it. But I'm like, yeah, yep. whatever. I saved 15 bucks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I got a better deal than you guys. Um, all of my friends at the time too, were living in the same, um, dorm suite. And so there was, there were five of them, um, living in this, this two bedroom, um, like dorm, with uh, all their beds in one room and all their computers in the other. And so, yeah, they called it the bunker and the uh, the command center. Yeah. <laughs> and so, because nice. they were very into StarCraft 2 at the time as well. And yeah. so, um, 11, 11, 11 rolls around, and I'm so excited. I'm like, I'm going to get Skyrim today. Uh, it's going to come in the mail. And come to realize it's a federal holiday. It's Happy Veterans Day. Um, Is it the 11th every <laughs> single, every every year? Yes. And oh my god! And yeah. so mail was suspended, and I'm so very grateful for the veterans that we have in this country and folks of course. serving. But I did not get Skyrim until the next, I think, <laughs> Tuesday. I feel like it was. Oh man, that's rough. Or Wednesday, and you know, like the the hype of that game and everyone wanting to play it at launch. My friends played the entire night, and then invited me to brunch with them the next morning and and that's all they could talk about it's all it, it was just that uh, that smug look on their faces like they had played skyrim all night and i didn't and i was so <laughs> mad um yeah anyways that's really much really my skyrim story i just remember this day going down in history among me and really really the folks that i played world of warcraft with as um just this day where i was so salty salty <laughs> that I did not get to play the game for another couple days. Dang, that uh, sucks. It's, it's yeah. pretty funny in hindsight. I was like, yeah. shut up, don't even <laughs> talk about it. And they had that look on their face like uh, if I if I may do a callback to, to SpongeBob SquarePants where you Squid, may. Squidward Allowed. had his first Krabby Patty in front of SpongeBob. Oh, yeah. They had that look on their faces. <laughs> SpongeBob, yeah, um, maybe we'll put the picture in the uh, in the episode notes. How many pictures do you want us to put in the episode notes, Brian? I don't know. <laughs> that, that, that's two so far. Yeah, um, put their secrets. <laughs> so I, I just got a text from a friend that I want to circle back to, but um, mm-hmm. since Rhodes brought it up, uh, while I was downloading Titanfall or installing Titanfall today, I was like, all right, I just need some kind of like something on my phone, something light that's like a total palette cleanser, something that's just like really pretty and like just to like disassociate myself from everything for like a half an hour. Yeah. And I remembered that I had uh Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery oh. on my phone. Like a, a game that like for whatever reason like I picked up for like a minute and then just dropped. And so it's just been on my phone because I know I've been I've been meaning for years to come back to that game. Same though. Keep going. Um 
And so I picked it up and you've played a bunch of it, right? Reds. I feel like, I feel like I've played a lot of it, but never beat it. Um, I remember it feeling really tense once you get to a certain point where Uh, basically something's chasing you the entire time. And I felt very turned off by that. (laughs) It's very early. Uh, yeah. turns out because like it starts off and you're in this like beautiful meadow and like for anyone mm-hmm. unfamiliar, it's, mm-hmm. um, it was like one of the first like really massively successful, uh, mobile games. Like that wasn't of the kind of like angry birds ilk. Totally. Like it, it was one it was of the a, early, a, like good mobile games. I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. yeah. Like it's like, it did like really innovative things where you're like, you're in the world map and you're looking at it in like landscape perspective and then whenever you need to go do combat you flip it to a portrait yeah, perspective so cool. and do combat that way and like it just did a lot of things that were like like it felt like going back to this must feel like revisiting like the Wii after like not touching motion controls forever it's like this was such a phenomenally like brilliant thing when it came out mm-hmm. and just like I think VR is like obviously like the closest parallel right now to just like a brand new way of experiencing games that we didn't even really think about much before. But so I picked up a super brothers sword and sorcery again. And like a, it tries to prompt me to connect my Twitter, which I remember was a huge thing about it was that you connected it to Twitter and it would tweet for you whenever you reach milestones, which again, that was a huge thing. Like we never even like, like we were just getting into like the true social nature of games that we're like kind of in right now. Um, one, definitely one of the predecessors of that, but yeah, it's really beautiful. The music's phenomenal. Like it, t- like it was one of the first games I remember getting a, like, play this game with headphones, please play this game with headphones mm-hmm. message like early on. And yeah, yeah, it's the, the music is a huge part of it. And then, yeah, you're just like kind of exploring these like beautiful caves and using like really rudimentary touchscreen controls to, uh, explore this world. And then in the first episode, which it, like it forces you to take breaks between episodes because it's actually like surprisingly hefty. Um, but yeah, you go and you collect this item that's in this cave. And then this like lich starts following you like this shadowy specter. That's a skull. And like, yeah, it's spooky as shit. Yeah. It's legitimately tense and awful. And this was the game I was trying to like, all right, I'm going to decompress and just kind of like get into a nice, quiet, joyous state where I'm not thinking about things. I'm not getting anxious. I'm just kind of, you know, chilling out and then that happens i'm like and then i just like turned like like i felt shivers up my back and i was like fuck 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 like <laughs> it's 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 terrifying um and and it was actually like a su- kind of surprising way it kind of caught me off guard and like made me feel a little less unsettled like actually by by unnerving me it kind of actually leveled me out a bit is actually That's kind good. of a nice experience but um yeah now i'm gonna actually i think try and like i think that's a great like I'm at work on my lunch break games because it's broken into what's supposed to be like 20 to 30 minute chunks before mm-hmm. it makes you like kind of take breaks. So I think that actually might be like, I might slowly progress through that game that way. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Um, but so back to this text that my friend just sent into one of my group chats. Apparently he went to eight stores today looking for an NES classic. I and he three. hasn't found one. <laughs> Dang, yeah, guys. And, it, it, and w- wasn't that how you spent part of your day today, Brian? Yeah, I woke up at, well, I told myself maybe I'd wake up early and, and do this. And so I, I actually just sort of naturally woke up at 7 a.m. and was like, uh, Target opens at 7. And so <laughs> I put a hat on and brushed my teeth and I drove up yeah, to Target. Just, just a hat and a clean mouth going to Target. Yeah, <laughs> nothing, nothing else. Um, 
And well, that's uh, probably why they didn't sell you an NES Classic, Brian. You were naked. <laughs> so and I show up there and I'm like wandering around the aisles, right? At, who goes to Target at 7 a.m.? I'll, I'll tell you, I there would. were at least 15 cars in the parking lot, which is bizarre. But I'm at Target and I'm there at like 7.15 and I walk in and I walk around the electronics section trying to look for where it would be. Of course, not seeing it and also trying to not be that weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so then I eventually see a, see someone and walk up to them and an older an older gentleman um, beats me to the guy and I hear he this older guy asks the, the person working there, Hey, do you have the NES classic? Again, seven fifteen AM, fifteen minutes after yeah. they open, and the guy's like, No, we sold out in five minutes. Holy shit. <laughs> so oh, they were out. Wow. So I immediately just turned around because that guy knew exactly what I, what I was gonna ask right afterward. <laughs> And so I, I start leaving and I actually Google the phone number to the local Walmart, which is like five minutes away from the Target. And they also were sold out in like five minutes. And um, so I didn't even go there, but I drove back home and uh, stopped off at a Fred Meyer, which is basically a Target um, for folks who maybe don't have it. And mm-hmm. they also said, you know, yeah, we had, we got five, five, you know. And so they, Jesus. they were out. They, 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 wait. The store only received five? Only five, yeah. The, the Fred Meyer. <laughs> you didn't even try GameStop, did you? Because you know they would have been like, well, did you did you pre-order it? They didn't do pre-orders for it, but oh. I thought about it because they opened at 10 a.m., but figured I either had to go there at 7.30 once I left Fred Meyer to, to get, in, get line. in line with and probably behind two people. Um, and they probably only got five, right, as well. And so it's right. either like I get behind, I get, I'm third in line for three hours or, you know, just go home. And so I just yeah. went home because I, nice. again, started to realize and within our group text as well, $60 doesn't really justify Super Mario Brothers 3, despite the fact that it's the best <laughs> Mario game. I already yeah. own it on like... Wait, 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 what? Anyways, I that's maybe our, our cue to, to pop into uh, hot takes, but... <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I would say that it's the best game on this on this box but i mean super mario world is just super mario brothers 3 but better mm. it's but but prettier and smoother hmm. and that is that your hot take i mean it's not really a controversial opinion but oh it is now <laughs> yeah My, no, uh, I, go ahead. yeah just but between super mario world which like perfected the 2d and then hmm. Super Mario Galaxy, which perfected the 3D. Like, like I, I yeah, I, I, I love Super Mario Brothers 3, but I think that world is just objectively better. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I just think 3 was sort of that sweet spot for me with it when it comes to the, the rose-tinted nostalgia and picking it up again a couple of years ago and playing through the whole thing. I love it. I like worlds. I- so why, while I really like the like theater and stage, uh, like idea of the game, mm-hmm. and especially like the kind of like grander implications of that, yeah, I think that actually makes it hard for me to really like remember that game as like just like such a great Mario game. Like if if they leaned a little more into it or a little less aw- like a little more away from it, I feel like I could appreciate that game much much more. Hmm. But like. So, something about that is a little hard for me to like just put it in the same category as a lot of the other ones like i, I don't know why it, it's just it's 
a weird kind of like a one-off thing that they tried with Mario and then like at the time I don't think really addressed it much and especially since like didn't two do it as well though no uh, well so the Japanese two is basically just like hard mode of one like they just made it fucking killer and then uh the American two was just a reskin of a totally separate game that like <laughs> has Doki very, Doki very Panic little, Mario. Yeah, and that yeah, was Doki Doki Panic was <laughs> the one I'm referring to. Yeah, the, the... no, that, that, that didn't. Ha- that that was uh, you were in a dream. Right. And, uh, I think like Wart was like, I don't know if he was actually like a like dream monster that was like fucking with your dreams, or if just the entire thing was a self-contained thing within a dream. Uh, but no, that that was the premise of two. Was that you yeah. were that Mar- that Mario was dreaming? All right, I've got a hot take. Okay. Pants are bad. Yep. Don't like wearing them. <laughs> I just, uh, I wore them all day today and they made me sad. Um, that is why f- for Halloween, whenever I kind of felt peer pressure, it was like, fuck, I gotta get a costume. I don't want to drop a bunch of money on something I'm going to wear once. Yeah. Uh, I elected to get a Kigurumi and mm. that's just kind of like, all right, get home, pants off, Kigurumi on. And then I like it. And then I just live as a fox boy forever. I also have um, another one, if that's okay. I know I come at these all the time. No, I more than one. I'm spacing on one, so I'm gonna steal one of yours as mine. Okay, you can have the pants one. Um, Yeah. Duck Dodgers, or sorry, nope. Excuse me. Daffy (laughs) Duck: The Marvin Missions is the best Super Nintendo game. Woof. That's. Um, I I think we could just do a hot takes on best super nintendo games because i think the best super nintendo game is eve or was it evo i think it was well, evo. you don't even know uh, i i haven't played the game forever um but it is a game where you start off as like you are going through yeah, evo um you're going through basically like the darwinian evolution chain and mm-hmm. you start off as like a little like little tiny fish and you start eating um either like smaller fish and you'll kind of go up the tree that is more, you'll become like a more cannibalistic fish. Or if you eat plants, you'll kind of go down the herbivore route. And so there's different, like you gain the properties of the things that you eat. Kind of sounds like spore. It's sorry. A little bit kind of borrowed a bunch of it from that. Um, (laughs) No, this was a 1992 game made by NX on the super Nintendo. And the NX on the super Nintendo. Wait, they had the switch on the Nintendo. Whoa. What? (laughs) By, the latter half of Square Enix. Oh, 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 oh in 1992. Oh. I just heard NX. Sorry, gotcha. <laughs> no. Um. Uh, but yeah, and so you you kind of go through the evolution tree, and like there's a certain point where you where you reach ground, and then you become a lizard, and then if you start eating like birds, you'll get wings, and you can become a flying creature, or if you like eat cannibals, you'll become more of a cannibal yourself, and like it's kind of like one of the earliest examples of that kind of like the model we we're talking about in Skyrim and Titanfall, where the way you the way you play your game not necessarily like active choices but just the way that you play the game changes the outcome and the progression of the, oh. of the game like uh hmm. it is it's yeah. fantastic it's was such a unique and profound approach that like is especially at the time like didn't like really get replicated like spore is probably the closest analog mm-hmm. right um, yeah but it was but it was like an action platformer and like on the Super Nintendo 1992. So like a relatively early Super Nintendo game that like actually looks 
like I'm looking up images of it now, like actually holds up visually pretty well. Right. Um, I, I think I remember this game. Uh, it was actually pretty recently um, sort of uh, written off as blasphemous fiction by our, our upcoming presidential um, <laughs> people. Yeah. The, the president-elect? Yeah, the pres- yeah, definitely. So, uh, president-elect Donald I, Trump I does not a... like Daffy Duck, the Marvin missions either. And the, yeah. and the vice president. Oh, sorry. That's like the hottest take there is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, yeah. Evo search for Eden. That game, look, look it up, check it out. It's f- fucking awesome. That, that game totally captured my imagination whenever I was little. Like, nice. Yeah. I'm surprised that I was allowed to play that <laughs> growing up in my household, who, which is a very, very uh, anti evolution family. Brian, what's your hot take? Uh, I think I, my hot takes have been pretty hot already, but when it comes to like retro games, um, they're all bad. Let's move on. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, NES, <laughs> NES classic kind of seems like a bust. Uh, three, a three foot long cord on your controller. Uh, weak. Pretty weak. Sad. Games that have already been repackaged and resold. I think I'm going to dozens of times at this point. I think I'm just going to pull from Rhodes's quote last week and just call the NES classic a wet fart. And, <laughs> uh, did I call that a wet fart? Did I call something else a wet fart? Four, you called a wet fart. Oh yeah, and uh, I think we all look forward to a Super Nintendo Classic with a with a better controller. Mega Man X, and, yeah, yeah, better controller yeah. and a uh, what do you call it? Um, a reset button on the controller instead of on the console to get back to the mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so. yeah. mm-hmm. I like it. Um, yeah, and like we were talking in a group chat earlier, like, we should put together that. Like we'll we'll give N- Nintendo a solid. Mm-hmm. We'll pick the games that we're gonna that should be on there. And just do their job for them, because I think we can do it better, because um, I'm, I'm just really not a fan of this lineup of games. There's some really good ones on the NES Classic, but, yeah. like, like Pac-Man's on there, like... Get out of like here. I, I, I don't know why that's, like... Like, I don't think of the NES when I think of Pac-Man. No, I think of, of an arcade cabinet. Um, um, like I got to wrap this up. Oh, yeah. I, I guess we have things to do, and we're going long, but... That's okay. Um, I don't mean to interrupt Dragon you. Two, Sight bike. Double Dragon to the Revenge. <laughs> the Revenge. Um, Two Donkey Kong again, like on the NES. Like, come on. Yeah. Cut. Get out of town. Get out of here, Nintendo. Go. Well, no, stay with us. We love you. Um, thank you for listening to fans of the genre. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes. Uh, it really helps others discover the show, and more importantly, tell a friend. Um, I can't tell you how many shows I've discovered just because a friend of mine recommended it. That's the best way to do it. Um, and if, uh, you want to follow us on Twitter at fans of genre, you can send us questions and feedback and we'd love to hear more. We've been getting a couple of people saying that it's good. So that's nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think we've been keeping track of the numbers since episode one. Uh, where, I have where we have, Oh, well, did we have another infinity percent increase? In yeah. The, it grew by 7,000 million infinity percentages. The so. huge, huge, nice. huge. The best numbers. We we increased bigly. Yes. Ugh. Fuck. Uh. <laughs> uh, uh, you guys realize how good punk music's gonna get? I've been listening oh, to a lot yeah. of punk music this week. That's been my coping mechanism. Yeah, like, like punks since the Bush administration's been like, like I, I love Joyce Manor and that kind of like field of music, but like that's kind of what like modern punk largely is. Like we're mm-hmm. gonna, like, <laughs> not to try to make light of everything going on too much but um 
yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how pop culture reacts. American yeah, Idiot was good. Especially in the music scene. You heard it here first. Punk music is back, baby. Thanks for yeah. listening to fans of the genre. Uh, you can find me on Twitter yes. at Rhodes Clark. You can find Brian at Brian T. Swanson. You can find Mikey at Mikey Krieger. Yup. Cool. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Bye. Do it. American Idiot was good.